It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It also reinforced just how important the character issue remains to the Chicago Bears. And it might be something that all teams talk about with mid-round draft picks. It might be something that is just a concept in many organizations, but it's very relevant to this draft. And it's because of what happened Thursday night. So let's go back to that, Dan, because we haven't discussed it yet. I do wonder what your impressions after hearing all three days of Ryan Poles, after seeing how everything has unfolded and what everyone else around the league had to say. Which was stronger in terms of the Bears' internal feeling on Thursday night? The desire to take Darnell Wright or the desire to avoid taking Jalen Carter? I cannot say which was stronger. I will tell you that they were both significantly strong. And that was clear with what we learned, with what we had talked about for weeks as what if this happens on draft night and it became made for TV drama, right? When the Bears went on the clock, Jalen Carter's still available. And rather than, than, than even answer that question, they said, you know what, Philly, you answer it. And they gave the Eagles the, the number nine pick and they, they traded back for a fourth rounder in 2024. And they let the Eagles take on that project, potentially that prize, with the understanding that they felt really confident with the player that they wanted to get in the first round. And it's darn all right. It's a guy that they've had as the top tackle ranked on their board. You and I were beating the drum for Paris Johnson Jr. They told us that Darnell Wright rated above him on their board. So that's notable to, to, to keep tabs on as we go forward. And obviously there's a lot is uh, going to be talked about and has been talked about, about the workout that they put him through on April 8th in Knoxville with Chris Morgan and, and Ryan Poles flying down to, to the campus of Tennessee and testing everything that Darnell Wright had in him not only mentally with the recall of offensive concepts, not only uh, physically with what they put him through on the field, but but mentally with his ability to grind and exert through a workout that was basically designed to gas him and it didn't gas him. They got back on the plane and said, that's our guy. I like the way this is consistent with the way the Bears have approached everything under Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. I think it might have been a difficult uh, premise to, to lean on if you had drafted Jalen Carter at number nine, I know that the risk reward assessment is different from one versus nine, but I think this is consistent with what they want to be as an organization. It's consistent with bringing Kevin Warren into the organization and having him be a beacon of integrity. All the things that people find easy maybe to scoff at yeah. are easy to understand, really, because if the Bears want to be that kind of team and that kind of organization, this is in step with that. And also, Ryan Poles is, is becoming, I think, identified as a very practical thinker. And so this is practically the right move to make in going for your offensive linemen to, to solidify that position group of need rather than taking a risk that may, on a guy that might be a higher ceiling when you don't have the player infrastructure, the veteran infrastructure or experience to absorb that kind of risk. So to me, it made perfect sense. That latter point is huge because I've had folks say to me in, in Friday morning, uh, the, some of this intel came in, just the, the idea that you cannot just compare productivity 
against productivity between Darnell Wright and Jalen Carter because you have to acknowledge the circumstances that they're walking into and the sturdiness in Philly versus the instability that currently exists at Hallis Hall and how that factors into to how these guys will start their NFL careers. That said, Darnell Wright better become what you sold him as. He better become a nasty, mauling, offensive tackle who has resilience, who has toughness, who has growth potential, and who gets with Chris Morgan and turns himself in to one of the top 10 tackles in the league, right? Yes. That's why you use a top 10 yes. pick on a guy there. He might have to become a top six tackle in the league for you to get the return on investment that you made in him. The Bears are confident that's going to happen. Daniel Wright seems like he's in for whatever Chris Morgan wants to throw at him. And by the way, it's going to be intense. But that's an interesting sort of uh, footnote on all that, understanding that the Bears obviously made internal decisions through lengthy discussions that now was not the right time and maybe never was going to be the right time for a player like Jalen Carter. They're more prepared to develop Darnell Wright than they are Jalen Carter. And if you're Howie Roseman in the Eagles and Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter doesn't work out, it costs your roster spot. If you're Ryan Poles and the Bears and Jalen Carter doesn't work out, it may cost people their jobs. That's yeah. a big difference. And I think that is way to look at it so i understand what they're what they did and why they did it and you're right now that darnell wright is here now he has you know the ceiling he needs to be a top five to ten guard or right tackle or offensive tackle in the nfl there's no question about it and we'll see where that where that goes so before we get out of here dan overall i think that you know we talk in general terms and we take a step back and yeah i know you love sunday morning after the draft <laughs> because it, it allows you the clarity and, and the, the perspective of seeing exactly what the Bears accomplished or exactly what teams are looking at as the offseason, you know, gets in a different phase. When you look at the Bears, how would you describe what they accomplished in drafting the 10 players they did? They got on the on-ramp to six or seven wins. <laughs> I mean, right, like that's where we're at in this journey. Now you're, you're ultimately trying to get many stops up the road, you know, to 11 to 12 to playing deep into January to one day potentially playing in February, but they got on the road to going forward. And I think that's really important after going backwards and in reverse and having the GPS yell, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating a dozen times last season, which confused everyone in the city. At this point, I think you've seen notable improvements at many spots on the roster. And now it's about how quickly you can accelerate those guys into becoming what you want them to become. And so that it's going to be fascinating to watch. And I think you're talking about the talent upgrade and talent alone, I think says that you're right. You're, you're six to seven wins now as a roster rather than where you were three to four. And that's the other element to this. If you're a six and seven win possibility team or potentially that kind of team with your talent, your coaching, if you believe in it, might be able to steal you one or two more. So you're flirting with respectability and nobody's going to be deluded into thinking or shouldn't be deluded into thinking they're in a position to contend in the, in the division or take the North, if you will. But they are headed in the right direction. It is year two, and you have to remember it doesn't happen in one season. You can't answer all the questions, and you can't make all of those jumps. Yeah, no question about it. A couple footnotes for me as we kind of wrap up the draft discussion. That schedule release 
a week and a half from now will give us a date for when Bryce Young comes to Chicago with the Panthers to start against the Bears. That's going to be a date you're going to want to circle on your calendar because that'll be interesting uh, to see where he's at in the early stages of his rookie year growth in Carolina. That's obviously the pick that the Bears once owned and gave the, the Panthers the option of of rebooting at their most important position. The other one, David, for me, uh, to hear Ryan Poles gush late Saturday night about seventh-round selection Travis Bell out of Kennesaw State was pretty notable. He called him one of his favorite human beings, said that this guy was holding down basically a, a full-time job as he was playing college football last year. We got to learn more about this, but they certainly took a, a seventh round flyer on seeing if they could get a defensive tackle from a smaller school to come in and realize his dreams with all of the elements of passion and hustle and drive and work ethic that the organization seems to value. He's going to be an interesting story to chronicle because it seems like uh, they've fallen in love with him, and it's very rare that you fall in love with a seventh-round guy. And Ryan uh, certainly certainly gushed, as I said Saturday night, about, about the kid and what he's made of. Yeah, the last three picks, uh, Terrell Smith, Travis Bell, and Kendall Williamson, did seem like character weighed heavily in their description, in their drafting, being drafted, and and also just in the way they were being described. Those are guys you want to meet. That's what will make this weekend's rookie minicap fun. Dan, we should get together later in the week and kind of preview that 